told you, Friday all the way live. And now for our first speaker, it's going to be Rick. All right, Rick. All right, Rick. I showed up. <laughs> okay, Rick, alcoholic. Okay, um, we knew about this for a couple of weeks, and I didn't have any problems until about 30 minutes ago. Um, so if I start to uh, screw up, let me know, okay? No throwing things or anything like that. Okay, so I'm going to put it for 30 minutes because the wife's going to do the other 30 minutes. Somebody's supposed to like drown or... Okay, <clears throat> in any case, again, like I said, I'm Rick, alcoholic. Rick! What it was like. Um, man, there's so many lights here anyway. Uh, now, see, I'm stuck already. In any case, you know, for all practical purposes, I grew up as white trailer trash, even though we never actually lived in a trailer. Um, I mean, you know, the first place I broke into was when I was six years old. And uh, you know what, you guys, uh, that's how pretty much my life was. Um, I enjoyed my childhood, I really did. I mean, we were like feral kids and, and I really enjoyed the hell out of that. And uh, by the time I was 12, 13, I started smoking dope and drinking. And uh, you know, not too many 12 year olds actually drink sociably. So obviously I was going for the, you know, get fucked up, right? And uh, you know, we'd go out at nighttime and we'd break into places, do all kinds of stuff. And there was a group of us and we were really tight. And you know, I freaking enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, you know, by the time I was 15, I noticed that um, I was having some issues with alcohol. I remember sitting in, a, in this uh, backyard in the wet grass thinking, why am I laying on my back, you know, thinking, why am I always like the first one drunk? You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm just laying there thinking about it. It's like always. And I started thinking about how I forget things and shit like that. Next thing I know, my brother's hitting me on the chest going, mom's home, the mom's home. And we ran, you know, and that was fleeting, you know. Uh, by the time I was 17, I joined the military. <clears throat> my dad had sent us to go live with my mom in Nebraska. You know, I went from L.A. to Nebraska, a tiny little town of 6,000 people. And you talk about culture shock. Um, so my escape uh, hatch was to join the military when I was seven, uh, 17. And I joined the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, it, it's, you, you give a license to a, a drunk to drink. Because in the military, it doesn't matter what, what age you are. As long as you're on base, you can drink. So I was drinking every day. And, uh, you know, I started, man, I was blacking out a lot. I was embarrassing myself a lot, embarrassing my friends a lot. And, uh, you know, it's like, but I was 17 years old. What do you expect, you guys, you know? And then they, they sent me straight. I went to boot camp, then I went to um, South Carolina, and then they sent me over to Japan. And if you guys don't know about Japan, talk to somebody in the Navy. They probably tell you all about it, okay? Uh, we were in Okinawa, and it was just one beer after another. It was like, as soon as you got off, you, you drank until you passed out. That, that's what it was, a nightly ritual. And uh, then I came back, and I went to 29 Palms, and... Um, you know, you guys, I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just my, I have such a big ego. I just got so freaking tired of embarrassing myself. You know what I mean? It's like every time I drank, I was a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? It's either starting fights or whatever. And always with someone bigger than you, right? You know, like you're going to fucking win, right? And uh, I remember I put a friend's car in a ditch out in the desert. And I didn't remember any of it, you know? I mean, luckily it was, you know, it's like in the desert, we're talking really their washes, you know what I mean? 
and it bottomed out and everything like that. And because we were not actually in the car, the car was not uh, on at the time. When the cops finally got there, they couldn't actually say who was driving. So we just had to do the, uh, the uh, AA thing on, on base. It wasn't an AA. It was just so we had to go to these things, watch these videos on accidents and things like that. And, and you know what? It's like I was so embarrassed about that. Uh, I decided right then and there I was never going to drink again. And, you know, I'm only 19 at this time, okay? And, I mean, I was that embarrassed, you guys. I'm just like, never going to drink again. And uh, a friend of mine um, was also involved in that. And uh, he said, hey, you know what? They got this uh, AA thing going in uh, Palm Springs. I have never heard of that in my life, you know what I mean? And uh, so being a jarhead, and he said, there's women? I said, oh, okay, you know what I mean? You know, being a jarhead, you know what I mean? What do you expect, right? So we went to Palm Springs, and... <clears throat> this is my introduction to AA. We got, we were supposed to get there at eight. Um, unfortunately, it started at something like six thirty or something like that, because we got in there right at the very end where they're holding hands, and it was, it was a candlelight meeting. So they got these candles. We walk in. Everybody starts grabbing hands, and I'm like, oh man, you know. And they start saying this prayer. I thought, oh fuck, man. Yeah, this is where I want to be in life. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> You know, the five minutes, that was my five minutes in the AA, and I thought, okay, yeah, you know, and if you're my age, uh, you knew down in, in the 1970s, 70, you know, I was 78, 79 at that time, I had a lot of things with uh, cults and stuff going on. And uh, so right away, I'm thinking, shit, I'm going to be a hard person or something, right? You know, this ain't going to work, you know what I mean? And uh, you know what? I didn't need them anyway, because I, I, was, I was sick and tired of drinking, you know? I was sick and tired of it, being, making an ass out of myself. You know, that's how big my ego was, you know? So um, they sent me back to Japan, and uh, I was there about a year, year and a half, and I hadn't drank. I didn't drink or anything like that. And I started smoking dope over there, and uh, you know what? It's, it's those little things that really don't matter, but some, for some reason they matter. And uh, I picked up a drink, and uh, it's like I couldn't remember why I quit, you might say. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I even thought about it. It was like, I'm going to drink, fuck everybody, you know? And I started drinking again, and you know what? I didn't make an ass on myself. I, I, I mean, it was like, you know, I was like, I could walk home. I did everything right. I thought, shit, man, I've been making a big deal about this for nothing, you know what I mean? Didn't black out, didn't make an ass on myself, didn't get in a fight, you know what I mean? Was able to walk home, you know? So I thought, you know what, what if I like did this like once a month or something like that? You know, that's only 12 times a year, right? You know what I mean? <clears throat> so a couple of weeks went by and I thought, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? Why not, right? So I went out and we started playing pool and everything like that. And I, you know, I got drunk, but didn't make an ass out of myself. Didn't act like a fool. Did everything right, you know? So, you know, obviously I was making a big deal out of nothing, right? Uh, so, you know, the next week, you know, why not? So on Saturday night, or excuse me, Friday night, we went and drank, then Saturday night, and then, uh, you know, within a month or two, it was like, okay, it's Wednesday, you know what I mean? It's almost, it's almost Saturday, right? Let's go, you know what I mean? And uh, next thing you know, I'm back to uh, drinking every day again. And, you know, it hadn't even been six months yet, you know, seven months. And um, they sent me back to, uh, 20, I mean, I went back to Camp Pendleton, and um, from there, it was like, I started drinking in the afternoon because those guys drank in the afternoon. So I was drinking in the afternoon, drinking after work and everything. And, uh, you know, I got a, a DUI and they were court-martialed me for that. And uh, next thing I knew, I was, to, to get out of, you know, because those alcoholics, we really think things through, you know what I mean? 
And I had to do this uh, guard duty, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to be restricted to the base anyway, so I'll do my guard duty at the same time. Okay, that's how good we are at this shit, right? You know what I mean? So I'm doing my guard duty stuff, and it's like every tw it's 24 hours on, 24 hours off. So with that 24 hours off, even though I'm on restriction, I was just drinking. And uh, next thing I knew, it was like, I, in order to get to the, uh, I'm sergeant of the guard, by the way. I'm the guy that runs it, you know what I mean? It's like the only way to get to this place was to actually shotgun a couple of beers before I get there. Okay, I mean, aspirin was not working. Nothing was working, you know what I mean? So I shotgun a couple of beers and everything, and then that started my morning, noon, and night drinking. And, uh, you know, um, I was only like fucking 22 at this time, and I'm drinking morning, noon, and night. And, uh, you know, I, I, I actually, I, I couldn't stop you guys. I really couldn't. And I talked to them about it and everything, and with the DUI and everything, I thought, okay, you know, maybe I'll go to one of those AAA places, you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, they gave me some anabuse. And for me, the anabuse is what saved me. Um, it's because I knew I couldn't drink on that stuff. So I, I was like, that's going to save me, right? And they said, oh, no, you got to go through this 30-day program, too. It's like, oh, man, I really don't need that, you know what I mean? Because, you know what? My problem was with alcohol. It wasn't with pot. It wasn't with cocaine. It wasn't with anything else. It was just alcohol, you know? So my idea was, you know, I'm just going to quit alcohol. And um, went through the program, all that stuff. Never stopped smoking dope and all that. And uh, you know what, you guys? That scared me so bad, I knew I would never drink again. I mean, it, I was drinking more and new tonight, okay? So it was, for me, it was like, I'll never drink again. And uh, I almost went 10 years. And I still continue to smoke dope morning, noon, and night. Never got hooked on that shit, right? And uh, doing everything else in between there, you know? And um, almost 10 years into it, um, no AA or nothing like that. I mean, I really, you know, like I said, the first time was really scary because it was like a cult thing. Uh, the second time I went, uh, when, during that 30-day program, I actually got to know the AA people a little bit, and I thought, these guys aren't as stupid as I thought they were. You know, they're actually pretty nice guys, you know what I mean? And uh, so, you know, it's like, <clears throat> I, 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 for minor details or whatever, you know what I mean? My life is so good. I'm, I'm, I'm living on my brother's floor, you know what I mean? I'm in a sleeping bag on my brother-in-law's floor. And, uh, you know, life's just fucking good. And I'm starting to drink, and things are getting worse. It was for no reason. I just started drinking. Uh, it was a, I was having a, a, a divorce, which I wanted very much. I'd only been married three months, by the way. And uh, for me, it was like, this was my escape hatch. I'm out of here. So I was actually happy that, that this was going down. But f for some reason, I don't know. You know, it's like, it's that for no reason whatsoever, I pull into a place and I think that canned margaritas would be the thing to do. For no reason whatsoever. You know what I mean? Canned margaritas of all things, right? And I drank two of those. And I, th and I remember thinking, this isn't right. You know what I mean? But it was like, where did that come from? In any case, within nine months, you guys, okay? Nine months, okay? I'm fucking drinking every day again. And uh, I couldn't stop. I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't do anything. It was like every day I was going to stop. Every day I didn't. And it was like I was losing weight. It was because I was worrying all the time. I was still working and everything like that. But I mean, for me, you guys, it was scary. And because uh, I knew it, what was coming and I, and I didn't have the military to back me up. I couldn't go into anything. I didn't have money, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, so every day I was going to quit and every day I couldn't quit. And every day I was going to quit, every day I couldn't quit. It was just getting worse and worse and worse. And, uh, you know, I had gone, I was down to like 145 pounds. I weigh 200 right now. So I, I'm 145 pounds, my face is sunken in because I'm just, 
I mean, I, it was like a nervous wreck constantly and knowing that there's nothing I could do. There's nothing I could do. I couldn't stop. And um, I don't know where this great idea came in, but to me, it was like I decided what was killing me was trying to quit, you guys. I mean, it was like, I mean, every day you were a freaking failure. You know what I mean? It's like every day you're worried about it. Every day, you know, as soon as you get off work, you know, it's like, so you know what? I decided for me, and it's like in the big book says, you know what I mean? I was going to go on to the bitter end. Uh, for me, it was like I knew I couldn't quit. You know, there was, I tried everything. Nothing was going to work. You know, I didn't try AA, you know, but nothing was going to work, right? And uh, I, I just gave up, man. And I thought, you know what? This is the way it's going to be. And I smoked all my dope, and I drank all my alcohol, and I just passed out. And the next day, I woke up with every intentioning about doing what I said I was going to do. I was going to go on to the bitter end. I called around. Nobody had anything. And I thought, no biggie. You know what I mean? Come noon. You know what I mean? But we were so busy um, at the work. You know, I was so busy, and I was constantly, trucks were coming in and out, coming in and out. And uh, so, you know what? It got to about 9 o'clock, I mean, excuse me, about 5 o'clock that afternoon. And I hadn't drank yet. I hadn't used yet. And uh, because, you know... Being an alcoholic and everything like that, your life's really good at that time. So I have these court-appointed meetings I have to go to. And uh, so I figured, you know, okay, after that, after that, I'll go. And I go, so it's it's, it's 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, you know, and I grab something to eat real quick. I go to my little meeting because uh, I have anger issues, they say. And, uh, you know, in any case, um, it, it got out of there, and I had every intention of going to the bowling alley and drinking some beer, you know, and passing out. And... It was like, I don't, I don't know where this came from, but it was like, I, I just drove past my exit. And I thought, that was odd. And then I drove past another one. And I, I remember it was like, a, you know, that outside the body thing, you know, I'm looking down at myself saying, dude, you know, you just missed your exit, right? It's like, yeah, I noticed that, you know? <laughs> it was like, I was talking, you know what I mean? It was like, I was really actually thinking, wow, how did that happen? And I, once the second one went by, I knew that there was an AA meeting in Pasadena. And I was right near it, and I thought, shit, it's like almost 8 o'clock. I've made it till 8 o'clock today without using or drinking, you know? So I actually just went to this meeting, and God knows I did not want to fucking be there, you know what I mean? But it was like, I went in the corner, I hid in the corner, and, and these guys were all like, hey, man, how you doing, all this stuff? They're all freaking happy and all this shit. And I'm like, oh, my God, these fuckers, they have no idea what alcoholism is, you know? They're all, I mean... These guys are all happy and how you been and all this kind of stuff. And I'm dying, man, in the corner, you know. And uh, they obviously had no idea what alcoholism was. And so all I had to do was wait for the meeting to get over. I don't, didn't hear a damn thing in the meeting. You know, all I remember was that how I hated everybody. Um, and uh, I rushed home. And I thought, shit, I mean, I made it to, well, I rushed to my brother-in-law's floor. And I jumped in my sleeping bag. And I thought, shit, you know what I mean? If I actually fall asleep, I made it one day. And the next thing I, I, I you know, you, you know you're not going to fall asleep. I mean, if you're passing out every night and you're needing drugs and alcohol to do that, you know you're not going to go to sleep. Next thing I know, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. My brother, brother-in-law is getting up. And I remember sitting up thinking, shit, I did it. You know what I mean? I had one day. And you guys, I've had that one day ever since. You know what I mean? I don't know how all that stuff worked the way it did, how every, every little domino was put in that place that day when I had given up completely and I was going to go on to the bitter end. It's like every single domino that day worked for I made it to that meeting and I made it to my sleeping bag 
and the next morning I woke up. And, you know, I'm one of those guys that didn't go to 90 meetings in 90 days. I did like 180 in 90 days. I was going three sometimes, four sometimes, just to place some, somewhere to hide, you know what I mean? From my brain, from the alcohol, from everything. And, uh, you know, you guys, they, you know, here's the thing. When, you, when you're that low, when you know you've given up that bad, you know what I mean, where you're willing to just throw it in, you know what I mean? It's like, um, it's the idea that, how do, how do I want to say this? It's like, I wasn't like I was just going to dabble in AA. You know what I mean? Because I thought, you know what? This is the only fucking way it's going to work is if I do this AA thing. You know what I mean? And do it their way, not my way. Okay? And, <clears throat> and I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to do it. I got a sponsor. I did all that stuff, you know? And, uh, you know, but you guys get her. I don't know how to say this. I, even though I was enthusiastic about the program and I was going to follow the program to the best that I could do, the best that I could do is not necessarily the best that you could have done, okay? Um, for me, I got the sponsor and everything, and I found the sickest guy I could, you know what I mean? And uh, he, he was more fucked up than I was probably, you know what I mean? And But I was going to do it, you know what I mean? I was going to do this thing, you know, and I got the sponsor, I was going to meetings, I was reading the big book, I was doing the thing, and it's like this God thing... I didn't get the God thing, you know what I mean? But I did get the book thing, okay? And I figured, you know what? I'm going to follow this book. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm just going to do what the book says, okay? So I started doing what the book said, and my life got better. I met all kinds of people. I got so lucky when I got in this program. I got in at the same time about 10, 15 other guys got in at the same time. And it's like we all were doing it, and we were all making it, you know what I mean? They had better sponsors, but, you know, you know? Uh, for me... It was, it was a hit. Let's put it this way. This is this is my program, okay? Two years into the program, um, I was driving by, and uh, I saw this wallet in the gutter. I mean, what's the chances of that, right? So I pull over and I pick up the wallet, and I, wow, it's the house just, you know, four or five down the way, right? I thought, I'm gonna return this thing, okay? So I went over there, knocked on the door, said, hey, I found this in the, the uh, gutter. And the ladies just look weird. I mean, like, okay, you know what I mean? And she took the wallet, and but I had the 80 bucks in my pocket still, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? And I remember thinking, see, that's a good guy. He turned her, her, her you know, the, the wallet, you know what I mean? You know? And and that's that was my program, you know what I'm saying? That was the program to my best, the best of my ability. And it's always been, you know, it's like I'm a slow learner, you know what I mean? Uh, Les always says that, you know, it's the idea, it's, it's a slow variety for some of us, and it's it's super slow for some of us, okay, real super slow. Um, even, you know, I mean, it's like, when I grew up, you know, cheating and stealing was not necessarily a bad thing. Getting caught was bad, but, you know what I mean? It was the idea that if you could manipulate somebody and get away with that was actually a little star, you know, that was a little badge, you know what I mean? So, and it's not like we thought about it that way. We didn't think about how ripping off people might actually hurt them or whatever. It was like... Oh, he almost got caught. That was cool. You know what I mean? It was one of those things. So um, my program might be a little bit different for you, so look for the similarities. But even 15 years into this, or it was like 10 years into it, um, we go to the to Costco, and, and my wife who's in the program, okay, uh, we come out of Costco, and it, we got the bacon for free. And I'm like, cool. You know what I mean? And she's like, well, no, we have to pay for this. I'm like, I mean, you guys, it's not like I was... I was actually angry, 
You know what I mean? It was like, that's the fucking stupidest thing I ever heard. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, you know, she's like, no, you know, in all our, you know, in all our affairs, you know what I mean? Honesty in all our affairs, you know what I mean? Like, it's fucking Costco, it's fucking bacon, you know what I mean? Come on, you know? And I was so pissed off that she actually walked back in there, you know what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? What kind of stupidity is that, you know what I mean? Better program, obviously, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, th that was that was my program, you know? Um, I never got the God thing. We went to church for five years, okay? And you know what, you guys? The church people aren't as bad as I always thought they were. These were some actually good people. They actually believed in what they were saying and doing, uh, which was a big shock to me, okay? I actually, you know, had respect for these people, okay? And, uh, you know, they, they actually had me doing some deacon stuff or whatever and and uh they were you know these meetings and everything and i went to this meeting they were talking about how these people aren't paying for their children's uh schooling and everything and the first thing that comes in my head is sue them you know what i mean and they start talking about how oh no maybe you know they didn't, they didn't take my advice you know what i mean they're talking about how maybe they can have a fundraiser they can have all this stuff maybe they can make some phone calls i'm like see they're really looking to help these people i'm like fucking you know what i mean they're, not, they're dead beasts you know what i mean Take them to court, you know? Um, yeah. In any case, you know, after five years uh, of going to church, and we started in the back of the church, and we moved our way up to the front, okay? And after five years, I looked at the wife, and I said, I don't get it. I'm not coming back. And that's the way it was for me. Even though the people were really great, um, I never got the God thing. You know what I mean? I didn't, I, it, 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 and it's like, I never got something I could say is God, okay? So that, that's always been like a big thing for me. And it's stopping from uh, sponsoring people and everything because I think that's one of the biggest things in this program is the God thing. And it's like, I couldn't get it. I mean, I, it's just not, it's, it's not something, it's not something you can like fake. You know what I mean? At least I can, you know? I can't just fake it and say, yeah, I believe in God when I didn't get the thing. All I got was the big book. You know what I mean? To me, that was the power greater than myself, okay? As long as I followed the big book, it's like my life got better, okay? When I followed Rick's book, my way of doing things, my life got worse, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, so for me, it was like, is it in the big book, okay? And, and my second sponsor was really big on that. Um, at one point in my life, I was dying from cancer. Um, <laughs> That's my wife. And uh, I went to the doctors, and they had me going from floor to floor, floor to floor, and they, they, wouldn't let me they wouldn't tell me what was going on. And finally I went back to the lady that started this whole thing, and I said, they sent me back to you, lady. And she goes, okay, look. She goes, you got a spot on your lung, okay? But she says, it's either cancer or it's TB, and you don't have TB. She's like, okay. You know what I mean? And uh, she goes, oh, and you'll see the doctor in two weeks. So for two weeks, I was dying from cancer. Um, I called my sponsor up and I said, okay, asshole, I'm supposed to call you, what are you gonna do? And it was like, I could not believe how much this guy just calmed me down and took me down from all that fear. You know what I mean? Just tell you, well, when I read the big book, my understanding is this, this, and this. And luckily he had experience with cancer before too. So he actually could you know, give that experience to me and everything. Two weeks later, I go back and they said, oh, by the way, it's not cancer. We don't know what it is, but it ain't cancer. So for two weeks, I was dying from cancer. 
You know what I mean? Remat, remat, what is it, miraculous recovery, huh? Yeah. Okay. That was really scary, though. That really, really and, and you know what? It just shows you the strength of sponsors, though. That guy was just so amazing. You know what I mean? Should I tell my wife? He says, well, that's what you normally do in a relationship, don't you? You share things? Don't you think this is important, you know? And I go, yeah, but I want to, you know, you know, protect her from this. You know? Don't stop being a martyr, you know what I mean? He was a good guy. He was a really good guy, you know. Um, in any case, um, so that's my, that's my life in AA. I finally get, you know, for me, it's like step one, step two, step three. Step, you know, getting the big book was my higher power, okay? I did my uh, fourth step and my fifth step, and I got out of that, and my sponsor says to me, he says, uh, more will be revealed. It was the most pathetic thing you'd ever heard, he said. Because um, I didn't know how to do a fourth or a fifth step. He didn't tell me. He wasn't a good sponsor, you know what I mean? Not that I hated the guy. He was a good guy, you know what I mean? But it's like, you know what? When you get a sponsor, you guys, you have to get a sponsor that's going to tell you what the big book says. You know what I mean? You don't just get the sickest sponsor out there like I did. Okay? I mean, my second sponsor was so much better telling me he would always say, my understanding of the big book is this, you know? So when you get your sponsor, don't look for the sickest guy like you. Don't look for the easy way out, okay? Um, in any case, um, where was I now? Huh? Oh, getting a sponsor. Okay, in any case, so, in any case, you got your sponsor now, okay? So for me, um, like I said, it, it's the big book is, 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 for me, is the higher power, okay? Which is interesting, because now, I mean, everybody was saying, it's like, I, for now, it's for some reason, it's like, instead of looking for what's the problem on the outside, it's like I look inside now, you know what I mean? Which is weird, you know what I mean? Because instead, it's, you know, you cut me off, and it's like, Oh, you motherfucker, you know, it's like I want to run you down, you know, thoughts of homicide come in and, you know, things like that, you know. And then I, I stop now and I'm like, why is it angering me so much? I used to do that shit to everybody. You know what I mean? I used to do that break check thing and all that stuff. Why is this pissing me off? You know? And so it's like everything's that way now with me. When things start to piss me off, when I get things get out of hand, most things, not all the things, because the wife will correct you on that one, huh? In any case, most things, I actually stop and ask, what's my problem here? You know, is that the program or what, you guys? That's the way it should be. Because, see, I've always looked for why you're the problem. You know what I mean? Not me. You know, if I had this better, this better. In any case, you guys, here's the good part of AA. Okay? After all this, and I still am sick as a, you know what I mean, could be, okay? We've raised two kids. One's a teacher right now. She's 25 years old. The other kid is all over the place. She's 22, okay? They have never seen us use or drink. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I used to take the kids to the park when they first grew up and everything. Les was there in Pasadena. In Pasadena. And it's like, I mean, from, from nothing to five or six, you know what I mean? I would send them over there so they weren't listening and they were cussing and everything. And you guys, it's been great. It's been great. For a guy that was going to give up, you know what I mean? My dad, he died when he was 45 from alcoholism. And I remember thinking the day that I thought, fuck, if I could 45, I was 32, and I was like, how the hell am I going to make it to 45? You know, that's a long ways off, you know what I mean? When you're using and drinking, you know what I mean? That's a long ways off, you know? And yet, I mean, it's just amazing all the things that I've done. I mean, it's, oh, you know, I, I actually got my fur now, see? Everything's slow in my life. 
I got my first brand new car last year. Actually, it was this year in April, huh? First brand new car in my whole life. Okay, it's a nice truck, you guys. Okay, <laughs> got all the stuff, you know, all the, with the, you know, all, all that stuff. I go to school and I tell this lady, I said, I said, yeah, it does this, it does this, it does this. She goes, yeah, mine does that too. You know, and I said, does this, 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 and this, this. She goes, yeah, mine does that too. It's like, you want to knock it off? You know? <laughs> Be happy for me, man. You know? In any case, you guys, uh, my time's got to be up by now because I'm blabbing and my wife needs to come up here. Um, oh, I have two and a half minutes. Anybody want to? <laughs> you guys, I was a little nervous coming up here, so I, I, I had all this, this stuff in my head and, and it didn't come out exactly the way I wanted it to and everything like that. But damn, I'm glad I'm sober. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thank you, Rick. Thank you very much. And now for the truth. <laughs> Patty! Hi, my name is Patty and I'm an alcoholic. And um, I too am grateful to be sober and in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. <clears throat> and so I wasn't nervous coming up here either. But um get a little nervous now, but it's okay. Because um, all, all I'm here to do is to share my experience, strength, and hope with you guys. Um, because we're all in this journey together. And this disease of alcoholism um, cuts through any barriers of anything that we have out there. We've got a mix of people out here in the park today. Happy's backyard, as we know. We're going to call it from now on. Um, and we all have the common problem and that is alcoholism. And the only thing that I've been able to find that has arrested my alcoholism is the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, <clears throat> I'm like my husband, I started drinking and using at the age of 12 and I thought it was just normal. I had a brother who was older than me, he was about three years older than me and he um, was drinking and using early on and in my household, we weren't an alcoholic household. We were just a middle-class family, lived in Lakewood, California. My dad worked, my mom stayed home, um, <clears throat> raising us kids. Um, my brother and I are both adopted. Um, and it was just like your next door neighbors, your family, you know, typical family. Um, but my brother got into this disease early on and I saw some of the havoc that it created in the family. Um, my dad was very old school in his discipline, which included a belt and, you know, things of that nature. Um, so I got to see some of the punishment that would go on. And um, I would just think if you just didn't drink or you just didn't do this, why do you keep doing this? And, you know, and I was young. Um, and I swore to myself that I would never become what my brother was becoming. And, you know, one thing that I've learned about human nature and alcoholism is it doesn't care what you want. <laughs> Once you pick up that drink, it's got you. You know, that's what I have learned in this program. Um, and so, you know, 12 years old, I started following in my brother's path. It just sounded like a good idea at the time all those other concerns out the door. Um, and I was the good girl in the family. I'm the one that went to school most of the time. 
I didn't steal cars. I didn't sneak out at night, but I hung out with people who, you know, drank occasionally. And, you know, 12 years old, what are you gonna do? You're not gonna drink daily. Um, my family didn't have a lot of alcohol or liquor in the house. Occasionally they did, but, you know. But what I know is when I started drinking at 12 that it did get me. And it just was a um, drink of opportunity, but I was also a blackout drinker. And I didn't think that that was a problem. I thought that's what happened you, when you drink large quantities of alcohol. Um, I could out drink most people in my sphere of group um, and still function. Um, and it was just a, an occasional fun time and time progressed and you know got into high school and was drinking and um still blacking out and you know i started noticing you know not just the blackouts but i'd be coming to in the middle of conversations with people i didn't know who they were i didn't know where i was or how i got there and that was okay too it was just more like okay now i got to figure out you know let me use my deductive reasoning and try and figure out what's going on and how to get home um, and it just progressed from there. Um, I graduated high school with no big deals, um, got into the working field and, you know, started off at working at a restaurant and then working in the bar section and, um, you know, alcohol was just an everyday thing. Um, actually before that, 17, okay, <laughs> so 17 years old. There were some issues in my life, but um, I was dating someone a little bit younger than me. Um, he was high, he was junior high. He was, so we were out and we were just gonna go. I had already started to do some of that controlled drinking, trying to make sure that um, I can handle the situation. So it was a good time to try and balance some of those narcotics along with alcohol so that I didn't black out as quickly. Um, so we were going to go to the movies and this was one of the first times where i thought i might have a problem with alcohol um, we were going to stop at a friend's house to just go ahead and get the party started before we go to the movies see if they wanted to go with fell into a blackout and the next thing i know that my boyfriend and i were in the middle of the street and he's got me by the throat and i got him by the balls and i'm coming out of a blackout going what happened to the movies <laughs> and he's like what <laughs> and you know and those are the kinds of things that started happening more frequently um my husband talked about you know in his alcoholism he started fights and in my alcoholism i tried to break up fights so you know <laughs> i wanted to be the peacekeeper so i'm in the midst of people throwing chairs occasionally and you know throwing blows and sometimes you kind of get in the way but you know, I just wanted peace. That's all I ever wanted. Um, but what happened is, is the more I stayed in my disease and the more I tried to control that alcoholism, um, the more out of control it got. I've got one 502 and that was when I was 18 years old. Um, that was another good little insight that I might have a problem with alcohol. Um, my boyfriend and then boyfriend at the time we were going to a party we were leaving the party and i fell in a blackout and he was driving my car when we left the party 
And the next thing I know is I come to and my car's crashed in the middle of somebody's front yard and I'm driving. And so we get out and we're just trying to stash, you know, my husband mentioned those little cans of margaritas. <laughs> we're ditching those in somebody's bushes and some guy from the house, because I guess it made a little bit of a wreck, a little bit of a noise, a ruckus when somebody, you know, at like 1130 at night is crashed out into your front yard. Um, one of the neighbors came out and said something snarky. I, I don't remember, but I remember trying to get back in my car and driving away. Now, my car wouldn't move because apparently there was a curve and I didn't take the curve very well and I kind of got airborne and I took out a young tree and I took out a mailbox and I landed in front of this oak tree <laughs> um, and I popped four tires and cracked three rims so my car wasn't moving anywhere um, so that was my first night in jail um, and I really still thought there might be a problem with alcohol, but I really think it might be the people that I'm with. It's more their problem. Um, but I did buy into the whole trying to control that drinking, not drinking in the morning, not drinking at home, drinking only at home, drinking only at parties, switching from, you know, scotch to brandy, although I switched from whiskey to brandy to wine to some older person where I was working gave me great advice. She said, if you drink vodka, don't mix it with anything. Just drink it straight, then you won't have a hangover. So I guess it's the orange juice or the gin that you know gives you the hangover. But I tried that too. Um, and you know, when I was pretty young, although I started at 12, but you know, by the time I was 29, I was in a depression, an alcoholic depression. And I got to that jumping off point that the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous talks about, that my husband talked about. And I think anybody who has gotten sober and stayed sober understands getting to that point of not being able to live with alcohol anymore and not being able to live without it and not knowing what the hell do you do? What's the alternative? My alternative was, you know, not believing in any God whatsoever but if there is a God, then he needs to take me off this planet. I need to be taken out. And that's what my prayer was. And the depression was there. I thought that the only way that I was gonna stay sober is if I stay closed and confined. So I would come to in the morning and I wouldn't get up all cheery and happy. It would be roll out of bed, crawl to my front door. Oh, I was living back with my parents. I had lived out of the house, came back to the house. Um, so, you know, 29 years old, you know, I wasn't on the floor in a sleeping bag, but um, I would hit the floor and crawl to the door, pull myself up and take a shower and sob continuously in the, in, the, in the shower because I just didn't know how to function anymore. So I would get ready for work. I'd go to work and I'd cry on my way into work, fix myself up again, do my job, come home, cry on the way home, lock myself in my bedroom. And that was just a cycle for months. 
Um, during this time, my brother who was out there um, doing his disease got into the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, I think for the fourth time. And he ended up moving back home. And what I saw in my brother was that spark in his eye. He was laughing and it was just a change in him that was like, wow, he was my example of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he was also my gateway into Alcoholics Anonymous. And it wasn't because I, I, I felt like I was an alcoholic. I just wanted to stop blacking out. I just lost all hope. So my brother was um, sponsoring people at this time in his program. And he had gone to a meeting, one of his sponsees called and said, I need a ride. So I said, well, I'll take you. So I picked him up and I took him and that was, you know, I would never walk into Alcoholics Anonymous on my own, of my own accord. Um, but I had an excuse and I sat in that meeting and it was a speaker meeting and the guy who was a surgeon, funny story, but um, he talked about the committee in his head. And I'm like, wow, people have that? <laughs> it's not just me? Because um, my head wouldn't shut up. Um, it was a constant battle um, trying to keep my head on straight um, and not drink and not use. Um, so I started into Alcoholics Anonymous and you know, I wasn't wholeheartedly committed to this program. I really wanted to stay sober for a year and clean my system out and then start fresh because I thought maybe it was just a pile up of crap for, you know, 20, you know, 10 years that, you know, um, needed to get flushed out. So I hung around Alcoholics Anonymous and you guys are great. You're a fun group of people. You know, we did coffee after meetings. We did conventions. We did dances. I didn't get a sponsor. I didn't do the steps because I thought that was for the real alcoholics. Um, and I wasn't really an alcoholic. I could say I'm an alcoholic, but there's that big butt in the back of my head because I was 29. Um, you know, who, who can't drink at 29 years old for the rest of their life? Um, so I had my reservations, but then, then there was a him with a lowercase h. And so I got one of them. <laughs> thinking, you know, that's kind of what you do. And it wasn't my husband, so. Um, <laughs> so I got this him and I'm like 29 and, and he's, he said he was 22. Um, but we started dating and getting into the program and you know, I was impressed by him. He had this program going on and it didn't really matter to me. I, you know, I just, felt that when I was in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, my head would, would be more manageable and I wouldn't be as anxious and nervous. And I wasn't drinking at that time in Alcoholics Anonymous, but I wasn't working a program. So I get a him in my life and we start dating and you know, he's being a young him because he's really only 16. I found oh. that out later. <laughs> um, Somebody call me a cougar, I don't know. Um, I call me sick because you know what? You attract where you're at. Someone, one of my women friends mentioned that to me and I'm like, what does that mean? Anyway, um, 
So we're doing this dating thing and I'm restless, irritable, and discontent in this program. You know, I have nothing to rely on. I've got no relationship with the power greater than myself. I have no sponsor. I have no steps that are my insurance policy on staying sober one moment at a time. And I'm white knuckling it. And of myself and by myself, I only know two things, I drink or use. So, um, because when I got sober, you could still smoke in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I wasn't a smoker per se, but I started smoking. Um, so I got, you know, this seasonal bronchitis and I went to the doctor and he prescribed me coating with cough syrup. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I take that coating and cough syrup and the first day I take it as directed. And then I go to a meeting and that him looks at her and I'm like, I'm feeling these feelings like jealousy and just anger. So I go in the bathroom and I chug that bottle of coating <laughs> and I felt a little bit better. But the next day I'm like, God, I got these feelings are wrestling, they're building up again. I don't know what to do. So I call the doctor and I say, hey, you know what? I dropped that bottle of coating and it broke. Can I get a refill? So he refills it. So I'm like, okay, cool. So next two days I'm chugging that bottle of coating. I'm going to meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous while I'm doing this. I'm running in the bathroom. You know, because he's looking at her or whatever, you know, I'm feeling a feeling, I can't handle it. So the third day, you know, I knocked that bottle off in two days and I called the doctor again and I'm like, you know, someone stole it. And he's like, he refilled it again. And now, you know, again, drink, drink. And I'm like, the third time I'm calling, fourth time I'm calling, third time, I'm like, I don't think this is normal, you know? Something I was hearing in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous kind of clicked and said, that's not normal behavior. And I started talking to an older woman and I was telling her the things and she kind of said to me, you know, being in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, it's like being on a submarine or in a submarine when, and that submarine's gonna go down if you want to be in that submarine, you need to do the things that are suggested. You need to get a sponsor. You need to start working the steps. You need to be a service. You need to develop a relationship with a power greater than my, greater than yourself. Or you can hang out and go to the, you know, the fellowship is not, it's vital. But if you're using that as a program for me, it's not enough because when that, that, that submarine goes under, I'm drowning and I need something that I can lay my feet on some solid rock. And that's what I found in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and in those steps. So I got to that point, I came the next meeting, they asked for newcomers. I said, I'm a newcomer. People like whip their head around, like you've been here every single day. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I had to own it. Um, and people laughed. You know, nobody cares that you go out. They care when you come back. And that's what we do. We care about, you know, if you ever go out, keep coming back, come back. We want you here. Nobody is gonna condemn you or kick you out. We're gonna love you until you can learn to love yourself. And I got involved in Alcoholics Anonymous and I got deeply involved. I got the sponsor, started working the steps. Um, Somebody told me to be a service that I became a GSR. 
So I got into that kind of work. I did that for a while. I did, I was at DCM, um, going to conventions and, you know, and it was just being of service in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and what I have found in here is the ability to live life like a loose garment and not pick up a drink no matter what. And yes, you know what? I married my husband, met him on AA, you know, the AA playground. And we got married and we had kids. And you know, it's not all easy. You know, you get, a, you know, sorry, honey, but you get a derelict and you get another derelict and you put two ding-dongs together, you don't always make a bell. Um, so, you know, our marriage has been a work in progress, you know? We've been married for 28 years? I think 28 years. Um, phenomenal, because my relationships were 30, 60, 90 days, and I'm out of there, you know? Um, you know, we ended up in our marriage that we sought some outside counseling um, because we have to learn to communicate. We have to learn to work through our issues. Um, and on that, um, the counselor was very funny. He, he pulled me aside one time and after talking some of our personal stuff, he's like, you know, I can work on your marriage and you know, I can do with your husband and I can work with you, but I can't do all three of you at the same time. So somebody needs to go get some individual help. And I was like, well, <laughs> I don't think it should be me. <laughs> um, but he said, yes, it should be you. <laughs> I'm like, shit. <laughs> um, you know, and I've done the steps. So I'm like, uh. so I go off and I start doing some individual counseling. I learned a little bit about depression. And one thing that I found in that counseling is that I did the fourth step and the fifth step, and it was like stacking stuff neatly in my attic. Um, going into counseling, it was unpacking those boxes, taking a toothbrush and getting digging deep into some of that shit that you, know, you don't wanna look at and that you can easily shove away. But when I shove that stuff away, it still comes out in my actions in my attitudes and in my thoughts and learning how to deal with past hurts and pains um, it's been a freedom um, alcohol gave me a freedom that I never knew before it was a phenomenal um, door opener for me to live life with what I thought at the time was being happy joyous and free until it closed in and it made me bondage. You know, I was bonded to that um, disease of alcoholism. And going through counseling and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, it's opened those doors back up again. And, you know, things have been a little crazy in my life lately, and I've been feeling that depression coming back on. Um, you know, my husband talked about, you know, or Happy actually talked about, you know, spending time in bed. And it's like, I, I understand that. Not that I've done it to his degree, but um, yeah, I understand not, not wanting to get out of bed and not being able to for periods of time. Um, so because I am aware and I have a little more emotional sobriety I, than I did back then is I've gone to the doctor and he's put me back on some antidepressants. 
and I'm going to start doing counseling again. Um, you know, I'm 32 years sober. Um, my sobriety day is June 4th, 1991, and I'm not, I'm not done yet. You know, I'm not done growing. I'm not done living this life sober. And it's not all perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than when I walked in here. You know, so if you're new, keep coming back. Um, stick with the winners, you know, uh, live this program. Don't just apply it, live it. Um, and, you know, your life will change. Anyway, that's all I have. Thank you. For Thank you. All right, let's get one more round for Patty and Rick. Thank you so much coming out here on Friday Night Live. And now we want to hear from Nick and T. Michael, alcoholic. Michael. Okay. Birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy, happy, happy birthday to you. Happy, happy, happy birthday to you. Keep coming. Woo! My name is Happy, and I am an alcoholic. Yes, my sobriety date is December 21st, 2018. Um, yeah, by the grace of God that I'm here today, I'm on this gift of grace. And, um, you know, coming to Fink Final Park is like coming home. Because about six years ago, this was my home. I didn't need a wall. Uh, I just need a spot to sleep. And, you know, we're sitting on my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> That I share with the city of Oklahoma, of course. <laughs> but, um, you know, I want what you all have. That sobriety. Um, it was very elusive for about 18 years of my life. Um, and, um, you know, I, I came to the program very angry very regret of, and of my loss of my mom and my sister um, because of their loss I, I drank alcoholically and when I lost my sister to suicide I started using um, like an addict and um, you know I, I'm the youngest of 11 children I have five brothers and five sisters um, <clears throat> at the time that I became an alcoholic three of my brothers are doctors and um, they couldn't fix me, you know? When I came to AA, um, I learned that Dr. Bob also couldn't fix the problem, or Dr. Silkward, a um, medical benefactor. And, you know, I felt like, hmm, you guys have solved this problem. And I positioned myself in AA at this park, because at this park, I was blessed with two meetings a day on the park. I didn't have to go far. It's right in my backyard. <laughs> and um, it's been a wonderful journey, you know, with my higher power, which I wanted to call God. And, um, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian school in the land of 
uh, Buddhism, Thailand, and um, and I, I never understand higher power until I came to AA. And you know, AA just like mm, you can just make whatever the higher power you want. Awesome. So my higher power is a little bit of God, a little bit of Buddha. A little bit of Star Wars, a little bit of <laughs> Star Trek, <laughs> and, and you know I'm happy. So Snow White and Seven Dwarfs is in the picture as well. Um, yeah, you know it's been an incredible journey these five years. Um, I never thought I was gonna be able to, um, you know, as a day as the year progressed, I thought, oh, next year it's gonna be easier and easier and easier. Mm-mm. <laughs> Gotta have a sense of humor. <laughs> so um, after four years last year, you know, um, some old timer at the 502 club says, good, you have four years. Next year, five years, your head gonna pop out of your ass. <laughs> I, I thought that was a very disturbing analogy. <laughs> So yesterday, I, I, I spent myself like double scrubbing my head and make sure it got a good perfume on it, you know, just so it doesn't smell like poop. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it, this year has presented itself with a lot of situation. And that's how AA helped me look at it. Situation. Um, I'm manic depressive, and so I was hit with a, a really bad manic episode and depressive episode. But um, even in my manic state, I took a two and a half weeks off and just do AA. I went to 72 meetings. <laughs> yeah, you wonder why, right? Just because I can. And then the depressive uh, hit, and it was a bad one. You know, I, I spent about three or four months, about 95% in bed. Um, and um, it was okay because I have commitment. And it's that, having that purpose about commitment, it got me up on Thursday and Friday. Um, and then I have sponsee, I opened up to doing sponsorship this year. And so Saturday and Sunday, I work with sponsee. So at least four to 10 hours every week, God gave me a little blessing. The fellowship gave me the blessing. And you know, the AA 12 steps, you know? Alcohol is cunning, baffling, powerful. But to me, what's more baffling, cunning, powerful is the AA 12 steps, the fellowships, and God. Thank you for letting me share. Five years, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Uh, how about six years? Son. Eight and a nine and a nine. We got a nine. Celinda. Celinda's birthday. Let's sing happy birthday to Celinda. Happy birthday. Um, I just want to say keep coming back uh, don't stray from the program um, because 
it, it could be bad news. So just keep coming back and do what they tell you to do. That's all. Okay, thank you. All right. Glad you're here. Hope you guys come back. It's an awesome meeting. Okay, nine, how about 10 years? 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 45, 25 to 30, 30 to 35, 35 to 40, 40 to life. All right, thank you so much for letting me be of service. We're gonna bring the phone list, Christine. Christine. And she's doing literature. You're going to stay sober like that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christine. I am the phoneless person, and I'm doing literature tonight. This is a great resource for newcomers, and if you would like to add your name, you can just flip the page and add it. Um, if you have any questions, you can ask me. And also, Tommy's going to be back next week with literature, but tonight we have one AA big book. That's all we have for literature tonight, but we'll have more. And so if anybody is interested in purchasing this at cost, just let me know. And thank you for letting me be of service. All right, thank you very much. And now for our grapevine rep, Kyle. All right, Kyle. All right, hey. Hey, everyone. My name's Kyle. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Kyle. And your grapevine rep. And um, so I have an issue here, and uh, I guess one of my responsibilities is to pick a story and tell you a little bit about it. So... One of them is called 100 Beards, and it's about a gentleman who was in Vegas, and as part of his sobriety, he um, he got the chance to go, he got a really great job, and he ended up going to a, a sales trip in Vegas. And of course, because it's December, the, uh, the story is Santa-themed. So he met a bunch of guys that were dressed like Santa in Vegas. And uh, short, long story short, he ended up becoming a Santa because they were all at a Santa convention and uh, he ended up becoming a Santa himself. And uh, he wanted, he had a, a Santa sponsor. I guess I was helping him like a Santa mentor. And that Santa, he asked that Santa, how do you, you know, um, oh, well first, when he, before he met his Santa to meet for like a, a, a little session, um, one of the other Santas said, yeah, that Santa, whatever his name was, was uh, is at a, one of those damn meetings. And uh, he knew, he, there's something came, I guess, over this guy and he knew that it was a friend of ours. So he asked him right when he met him, are you a friend of Bill's? And the guy said, yep, 30 years. And, uh, and he said, well, my first question is for you, if you're out here at a mall for 45 days on a trip being Santa, how do you stay sober? And he said, the grapevine, of course. So uh, that's the story. And uh, so the grapevine is a meeting in literature. If you are interested, you can grab it. And then, um, of course, after you're done reading it, you can pass it on and pay it forward. Does anyone want a grapevine? All right. Here you go. Yeah, here you go. Thank you. All right, thank you. Carl, do you like? Okay, and then, uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll have a, a story for you next week. Thank you. All right. All right, Kyle. All right, Kyle.